The Holy Gospel for Christmas Eve comes to us from St. Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The greatest, most outlandish miracle happened in the small town of Nazareth more than 2,000 years ago. A virgin conceived and bore a son without losing her virginity. The human mind cannot comprehend this, but this is what happened when our Lord Jesus Christ was conceived. Jesus' conception by the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of God's sign to King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah encouraged Ahaz to ask God for a sign, any sign, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz stubbornly refused to ask for a sign. Ahaz was worried that he would be like his great-great-grandfather, Joash, who asked too little from God. He didn't want to be seen as asking too much from God. But can you ask too much of God? Is there anything too much for God? No, nothing is too much for God. There's also nothing too little for God either. When you think that God has boundaries, you have the wrong God. God has no boundaries. In fact, he's the one who created the idea of boundaries. But he is beyond all boundaries. But we like to put boundaries around God. And no time is greater for putting boundaries around God than Christmas. We want to allow God into our lives on the important days. We like to be Christians on Christmas and Easter because people expect it then. We want to take... We want God to stay out of our hair the other 363 days of the year. And we don't hesitate about doing it. We might hesitate about saying it, but it doesn't keep us from doing. We are no different than Ahaz. Since Ahaz refused to ask, God gave a sign that no human being would have ever considered. No one would consider a virgin giving birth. Definitely not a sign for proof of God's presence among his people. But this is what God gives. Seven centuries later, Mary of Nazareth was that virgin. Mary was betrothed to Joseph the carpenter, but before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. Her betrothed was uncertain about his future with his pregnant virgin, arguably the greatest paradox in all human history. You cannot be pregnant and a virgin, but Mary is both. Joseph didn't know what to do with her. He was a just man and unwilling to put her to public shame. He entertained thoughts of divorcing her privately, but he was stopped by an angelic vision, a vision that reinforced what Mary had already told him. 
she had not been unfaithful. She had conceived a child by the Holy Spirit. Mary, like Eve, had gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Unlike Eve, this man Mary received is the long-awaited Messiah. He is Isaiah's Emmanuel, God with us. Once again, God would mock once again, God would walk among his people in the cool of the day, and his people would not hide themselves from him. They would flock around him to hear his word and to receive a portion of his grace and mercy. This is Jesus as Emmanuel. God with us for our benefit. God with us for grace and mercy. God with us for salvation. Mary gives birth to Jesus. He is descended from David according to the flesh, but he is God with us for our benefit. A benefit he promised very early in human history. A substitution would have to be made in order to become reconciled with God. A sacrifice is needed in order to bridge the gap. Sin. A sacrifice is needed in order to bridge the gap sin has made between God and man. Jesus came to do just that. He was born to be your substitute, to die your death. By his death, death has no more dominion over you. Reconciliation is the great benefit of Christmas. Jesus came in human flesh to reconcile you with your God. You cannot reconcile yourself with God, no matter how hard you try. So Jesus has done it all for you. And it sees its beginning at Christmas. Jesus condescended to become the lowly child lying in a manger, a feeding trough for cattle. He does this all because you were trapped in your sin. You were fighting against God and his word because you didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to be held accountable to his word. Jesus came as the word incarnate to fulfill the very word you would rather ignore. He is the perfect man, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect reconciliation between God and man. God chose to do this because he knew there was no other way. The only way for man to be reconciled with God, to be put back into a right position and relationship with him, was for God himself to drink the cup of his own wrath as a man and die. Christmas is the beginning of that life and death. Jesus is God with us for our benefit, the benefit of reconciliation with God. Jesus is also God with us for grace and mercy. These are not mere words that come because they're spoken at the beginning of every sermon. They aren't comforting because of their connection to the sermon. They're comforting because Jesus came in human flesh solely out of grace and mercy for his fallen creation. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, the psalmist says. All of Jesus' life and death revolve around his grace and mercy. Grace given because reconciliation has a price. Reconciliation with God has such a high price that no one other than God could achieve it. It is like the man who has forgiven the enormous debt of 10,000 talents, an impossible debt to repay. But his Lord forgave the entire debt out of his grace. Our Lord's grace brings us here tonight. Our Lord's grace is why we set aside this evening and tomorrow morning as sacred times to worship our God. 
God who came in the flesh, who is truly with us, out of his grace, his unmerited favor, grace that shows itself in his selfless love. God came in human flesh to show his love for us. He didn't come to be our ruler. He came to serve us in the one thing needful, grace shown through love that covers all of our sins. Tonight we see God's mercy in action. God could have left us in our own squalor. He could have said, I tried, but these people don't want anything to do with me, so I don't want anything to do with them either. He could have been capricious, like the mythological gods and goddesses, but he is merciful. He can't stand to see his creation in such agony. Therefore, he provided the way of grace and mercy before he created the world, so that his creation might be saved. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. God's mercy was accomplished in the fullness of time. The sign God gave King Ahaz has come. The virgin has conceived, and her son was born. He has come into the world, not as an ordinary child, but as God in the flesh. God with us to show his grace and mercy to all mankind. Therefore, we rejoice and are excited, or as excited as Germans can be, that our Lord has come. We sing our joy to the world as we depart this place, not because it's written in the bulletin. It's not. Not because the organ is playing it. It will. We sing because our God has come and has shown us his grace and mercy. Jesus shows us his grace and mercy because he came into human flesh to save his people. Jesus came in human flesh to give us salvation. Reconciliation is wonderful, but it isn't everything. Grace and mercy are to be highly and greatly prized, but they are nothing without the promise of salvation. Salvation ties everything together. Salvation is the bow on God's great gift at Christmas. Jesus is God with us for our salvation. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus didn't come to set up a kingdom here on earth. He didn't come to plant a new Eden here on earth. He came to earth to buy us back from sin, death, and the devil. He came to ransom captive Israel. He came to save us. It's in his very name. Eternal salvation is the fruit of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. We cannot be with God if we aren't saved. Our sins prevent us from being able to stand in his presence. Our sins cause us to cower and try to hide from God. God's holiness causes us to be undone because of our sin. Not until he has saved us, atoned for our sin and taken away our guilt, can we stand before him. Why is Jesus Emmanuel? Why is he God with us? Why does he do this through the incarnation? Because we need his salvation. He can only give salvation through the forgiveness of sins. We only receive forgiveness because of his sacrifice on the cross. But his sacrifice on the cross means nothing if he didn't come in the flesh. Without his incarnation, we would still be in our sins. We would have no forgiveness. We would have no salvation, no grace and mercy, no reconciliation. Everything we have and know would not exist we would still be waiting. But God would have us wait no longer. Jesus came in the fullness of time at the exact 
most appropriate time, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born to be Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, the God who has saved us through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Put back at the beginning. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours through God our Father, through the Savior who was born for us this evening. Amen.